It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. I think one thing we all, we everyone agrees on is there are a lot of questions here, Paul. A lot of questions. There not a lot more answers to come. We've heard a lot about the Presidential Records Act now and have for quite some time. If this becomes a Presidential Records Act violation, not more. Do you think it is enough to warrant all of this? No, it's not enough to warrant all this. And this is a daring and dangerous move by the Department of Justice to serve a warrant on a former president and to raid his personal residence. All right, Sandy Rios with you. Now, the irony of that clip is that that came from CNN. That was a legal expert on CNN saying that this was completely out of line, what happened to the president at Mar-a-Lago just, uh, what, two days ago, not even quite. Uh, and so that's why everyone's abuzz about it. In fact, you know, Judicial Watch is demanding uh, that, the, uh, that they open up, offer that subpoena. What's inside of it? What was the prerequisite? What was the reason that they gave for this raid? And the New York Times is asking for that. Judicial Watch is asking for that. Uh, there's another paper uh, that's asked the same up in uh, upstate New York who's demanding that the FBI release that and the Justice Department release that. So the heat is coming down on them to do that. Uh, and so we find out now that there was an informer, according to several sources here. Newsweek has come out now with an interesting article by William Arkin that's really a must-read on this if you're following it in detail, that there was an FBI confidential human source. But you know what went through my mind is, did the FBI plant that source? I bet so. And that's a whole other implication. If I'm right about that, that means that the FBI would have recruited and sent someone into the private residence of a former president to spy, to snoop about and report back. Uh, you know, the other thing I found out is uh, there's so much to tell you this morning, and I just have to pick and choose, uh, that the, um, the subpoena was, again, supposed to be about, well, what were the hints of it? Because according to this Newsweek article... <laughs> The irony of this Newsweek article is that supposedly two high-ranking sources in the Justice Department uh, and in the FBI, the Justice and they're both part of the Justice Department, uh, gave this interview to William Arkin and told all of these secret things, which is very interesting. And as a matter of fact, uh, on last night with Shannon Bream was a, a several guys. This is a great panel, but I chose uh, Jonathan Fay. He's the former assistant U.S. attorney, and uh, he had a few thoughts about what this is all about, this reluctance to unseal the warrant. Uh, meanwhile, these top-level Justice Department officials are giving interviews with details to Newsweek. Let's listen to Jonathan Fahey. This is kind of interesting because typically the way, uh, the reason you might seal a search warrant is because there's an ongoing investigation. You don't want to compromise an ongoing investigation, put people in danger and things of that nature, which is typically a very good reason and an acceptable reason. I think they're going to fall into problems when the judge will ask them, well, 
you you wanted this sealed, yet you have two senior officials talking to Newsweek, yeah. telling them intimate details of this investigation, and now you want to come in here and say it's sealed. Uh, you know, it's not going to hold water, and I, I hope the judge asks them that, and I hope people, uh, somebody asks Merrick Garland that as well, because he doesn't want to talk about the case, but apparently they're fine with, or I'm, I'm assuming they're fine with, and maybe they're not, but two senior people mm -hmm. on a case that should have been a, a tight hold are talking about this case. So I think that the response might be a little more difficult than it normally would, because normally it wouldn't be hard to keep these type of things sealed, at least in my experience. But I think it's a, a different story here. All right. Very interesting. And there's a boy, the things that they said in this article, this is this requires a laugh track, which I don't have. I used to have that and I miss it. I had a little button I pushed that would be someone laughing. Uh, but I but you'll just have to imagine that because according to these two, you know, um, officials from the Justice Department talking about the stuff and the unsealed affidavit, which they're refusing to unseal uh, to and a reporter for Newsweek, uh, they said the officials who have direct knowledge of the FBI's deliberations and were granted anonymity in order to discuss sensitive matters, said the raid of Donald Trump's Florida residence was deliberately timed to occur when the president was away. FBI decision-makers in Washington and Miami thought that denying the former president a photo opportunity or a platform from which to grandstand or attempt to thwart the raid would lower the profile of the event, says one of the sources. Um, the effort to keep the grade low-key failed. Instead, it prompted a furious response from GOP leaders and Trump supporters. What a spectacular backfire, says the justice official. Then it goes on and on about how they were trying to do it so quietly and, you know, not upset anyone. <laughs> I mean, really. And I, I was wrong yesterday. I told you it was the Washington field office. It wasn't. It's headquarters. The field office in Washington is not as uh, uh, odious. As the, as the, there are two different offices of the FBI, the, the federal office, which is the one that's right downtown in D.C., and then the, um, the field office is, uh, how to explain this, uh, the, the, the main big, huge building that looks like a prison is about the, the entire FBI. It's the headquarters for the entire FBI. The field office is for that area. It's just for the Washington area only. So they're not as, as I said, odious as those in that big prison-looking building. And so now here's uh, here's an interesting piece. This is in Vice this morning. There was an article. Uh, the title is Far-Right Extremists Are Violently Threatening the Trump Search Warrant Judge. So now they're alleging that Trump supporters are threatening uh, all these officials, including Christopher Wray and uh, Merrick Garland. Now, look, they might be. I'm not saying they aren't, but this is what they're zeroing, zeroing in on. And they actually are saying that these... Um, they're, they're posting Judge Reinhardt's home address, his phone numbers, the names of his family members, along with threats, which they should not do that. Uh, no one should do that, and they shouldn't have done it for the Supreme Court justices, but no one in the Justice Department seems to care about that. Chris Ray was just testifying last week, the head of the FBI, that, you know, they, they have, you know, they can't really go and protect the Supreme Court justices. The FBI has limited resources, and you know, they have to, you know, consider where they're going to place those resources. So rather than place them in the defense of the Supreme Court justices, they sent them to Mar-a-Lago to raid President Trump's private home. Uh, planted someone inside. That's my words. They're saying it's an FBI informant. I'm guessing they planted that person who allegedly told them exactly where to look and what to look for. Um, President Trump, uh, keep, you know, says, oh, oh, oh i got to finish this thought. Uh, Christopher Wray now is pushing back. You know, remember... <laughs> He knew about all of this when he testified last week. 
And he told this, and I'm sorry for repeating myself, but it's just so really like sardonically funny. He told the Senate Judiciary Committee he had to leave early because he had to catch a plane for his vacation in Colorado, his FBI plane. He had to go meet his family for vacation. I guess he called, got called out of vacation, at least a little bit, uh, because of the kerfuffle that was caused by the, uh, what, 30 to 50, I don't know what the number is, of FBI agents that raided the Mar-a-Lago home. So he's pretty upset about these social media threats against him and other law enforcement officers. Not so upset about what's happening to the Supreme Court justices, but really upset that they might, you know, that it might, you know, he might be in trouble. That's, boy, he says, I'm always concerned about threats to law enforcement. Violence against law enforcement is not the answer, no matter who you're upset with. And he called the threats, listen to these adjectives. Christopher Ray, head of the FBI, called these threats deplorable. Deplorable. It's just an interesting choice of words, isn't it? And dangerous. He's, a, he's a smart like a fox. He's all in, man on the deep state. He's just done tremendous damage. And I'm not done with this because I want to read to you. I looked this guy up yesterday, and now I, can't, I didn't write down who he is, but he's somebody. His name is Tim Wise. Um, I wish I had remembered, but this is what he tweeted. All right, you ready? Any maggot, M-A-G-A-T, who advocates violence in response to Trump facing justice should be arrested now. Free speech does not give you the right to advocate violence. Arrest them. Crush them. Make their children functional orphans. End them. He's since taken this off of Twitter, and that's why I came across it, because someone says, why did you remove this, Tim Wise? Any maggot, maggot, who advocates violence in response to Trump facing justice should be arrested now. Free speech does not give you the right to advocate violence. Arrest them, crush them, make their children functional orphans, end them. Wow. If you don't understand, all of you I know listen to this show do, the wickedness that we are facing, no one thinks that we, uh, to be clear, that we should be advocating violence against, you know, let's go hang Christopher Ray or uh, Merrick Garland. No one reasonable is saying that. But when you provoke the American people this way, you may get some pushback. That's a fact. Uh, and the rules have to apply on both sides. It can't be one-sided justice or you're going to make people very angry. And I want to also mention, this is supposed to be about, you know, these documents that President Trump had and just the, uh, the uh, curator of the National Archives, whatever his long title is, uh, he's so upset because he thinks, you know, he's accusing President Trump of taking these classified documents. And I have to tell you, remember, this is so insane, but that's too kind. This is so insidious. The president of the United States is the one, the final arbiter of what is classified and what isn't. He has constitutionally the final authority to decide what is classified and what is not classified. And I want to remind you, in fact, I'll just say Paul Sperry uh, tweeted this to remind us. This is what President Trump had issued before he left office. I have fully authorized the total declassification of any and all documents pertaining to the single greatest political crime in American history, the Russia hoax. Likewise, the Hillary Clinton email scandal. No redactions. Paul Sperry writes, when all the documents are finally declassified and all the redactions removed from reports, the nation will see that the FBI 
And the CIA not only knew the Russian collusion allegations against Trump were political, a political dirty trick, but they were in on the trick. And I want to go back now to the judge, that the magistrate, Bruce Reinhardt. Remember yesterday we talked about him. He's the one that was prosecuting uh, Jeffrey Epstein and then stopped prosecuting, had all the information, all the inside information on the prosecution, and resigned after 12 years as a U.S. Uh, attorney, and then went immediately to the offices of the attorneys of Jeffrey Epstein to defend Epstein, and, and not Epstein personally, but the people around him. And that's not ethical. Uh, some people are talking about him losing his law license over that, which no, but of course no one said anything at the time. And now we're finding out, uh, actually, let me just have John Solomon, uh, who I just think the world of really, he, he's the editor of Just the News, uh, had some comments on this, new comments on this justice, uh, this um, magistrate. And so let's, we do have that, right? You guys, it's clip eight. Let's listen. That's a great magistrate. question. Let's understand the, yeah, listen, why magistrate Reinhardt recused himself. He said he could not be impartial as a judge presiding over a lawsuit by Donald Trump against Hillary Clinton. That was six weeks before he then turned around and signed a search warrant for President Trump, a man who, before he was a judge, the year before he was a judge, openly criticized the president on social media. Tonight, I talked to Mike Davis, the lawyer that used to vet all the judges for Senator Grassley wow. and the Judiciary Committee. He said his group is considering preparing a judicial ethics complaint against this magistrate. All right, so that's John Solomon, and then he's talking about our good friend Mike Davis. Uh, and let me just say one other thing about Bruce Reinhart. Now someone else uh, has... Uh, turned up uh, an interview with Bruce Reinhardt. This is, uh, I, you know, honestly, I'm not sure where he was in his career. This is some time ago. This was Lois Lerner, who was operating the, the IRS, uh, had deleted two years of her emails during that IRS scandal when the IRS was coming after conservatives, making their lives hell, destroying tea parties. Uh, and in this clip, which I didn't have a chance to pull for you because it came in late, uh, he is defending Lois Lerner. He thinks that there's that. Oh, it's just a pro, it's just an accident. She didn't mean to do that on purpose. And now we're knowing. By the way, on the IRS, uh, now we're seeing that the IRS now all these new agents, the 88,000 that are created by this new bill, are going to be weaponized. They're going to be carrying guns and authorized to uh, you know fight and uh, be prepared for violence. That's pretty much what the instructions say. Where do you think this is headed? Where do you think this is headed? Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 29 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 
Bible. Telling Bibleists persecuted believers no, that's one of the hardest things we do at Bible League. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth, and I want to give you an update on our campaign Stand With Them. You know, Paul wrote, the persecuted, they may be persecuted, but they're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, for weeks we've been telling you about Christians who are praying for Bibles in order to endure and persevere. Ahmad is in Malaysia. He's a civil engineer, was beaten. When he came to Christ, he's praying for a Bible. Adesh is in Nepal. He's a tour guide near the Himalayan mountains. He was beaten, but he's praying for a Bible in the Nepalese language. And then Einar is in Zimbabwe. She's a widowed mother of three. Her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime. She's not praying for an end to her suffering. She's praying for a Bible. We're in the final few days of this effort to send God's word to 16,000 Bibleless persecuted believers. We're short of this goal and we need to wrap up in the coming days. So at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20, will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Send Bibles Now. Hello Americans, I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. When deciding where to pursue your career goals, you want a university that you can trust that offers a world-class education with the values, knowledge, and skills you need to succeed. That place is Liberty University, and now is the perfect time to start. Liberty is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ, a mission that has not wavered since it opened in 1971. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. YouTube has removed a speech delivered by President Trump. The former president had been the keynote speaker for the Faith and Freedom Coalition's Road to the Majority Conference. YouTube claimed the speech violated its misinformation policy. They did not provide specifics. The Faith and Freedom Coalition appealed, but YouTube rejected their petition. No doubt that conservatives were victims of censorship here, and for no good reason. As Ralph Reed pointed out, disagreement does not equate to disinformation. However, YouTube does have every right to decide what goes on its platform. Sex and debauchery meet their standards, but faith and freedom do not. Rush Limbaugh once warned conservatives to be very careful about building platforms on social media. And he had a great point. You may have millions of followers, but ultimately, you have no power or control. What Facebook gives, Facebook can take away. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. I just want to add, uh, before I change the subject here, this is the actual IRS job list listing. Special agents must carry a firearm and be willing to use deadly force. That's the new 88,000 uh, IRS agents that have been hired to, you know, to help us. Uh, I, it's just, a, it's a frightening, really. It's frightening, the moves that are being made, and I, that re- brings me to some of your email, which I will get to in just a second. I hope I'm trying to do, always try to do too much, and today's no exception. But I have to say uh, that one thing that's not being covered is uh, Congressman Scott Perry, who is the head of the Freedom Caucus. He's a friend of this show. He's a friend, a congressman friend. He's just a real champion. Um, not long ago, he filed, along with um, our friend from Arizona, um, uh, the senator, the congressman that I interviewed at CPAC, you guys helped me with his name, but um, uh, Scott Perry and him uh, filed uh, um, articles of impeachment against Merrick Garland. And so that's important because now Scott Perry, with his family, I don't know if he was on vacation, but the whole family was there, uh, three FBI agents came up to him and demanded his phone. They took his phone, everything. He's a congressman, for heaven's sake. 
Uh, he's a congressman. All of his business, all of his, you know, his contacts, everything they took. Uh, and so just unconscionable. And so why did they do that? Thomas Massey, uh, who's part of the Freedom Caucus, says, once you realize this is a hot war between the embedded elements of big government and conservatives who threaten their existence, you can understand the tactical and psychological significance of the FBI notoriously seizing the House Freedom Caucus's chairman's cell phone. And so that's very dangerous. That's as, that's as dangerous as the, uh, to me, well, okay, on a, I have to stop and think about that, but they're pretty both horrible that the FBI would seize the cell phone of the head of the Freedom Caucus, uh, which means he has the, you know, a link to all of their, all their interactions, all the Freedom Caucus members, their interactions. He's got everything, all of it. Scott's the chairman. The FBI took that. For what purpose? For what purpose? They are the biggest opponents in the House, so they have to be destroyed too. So um, now, I, so what, how do we do, how, what do we do about this? Today, the only thing I can tell you besides elections, 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 um, and I'm going to talk about them in just one second, is that we have this uh, campaign, End the Political Persecution of President Trump and his supporters. It's on a line act, A-L-I-G-N-A-C-T. Uh, we'll put it on our Getter page. I'm sure Adam did that yesterday, right, Adam? And so you can go there and find it, or you can go to Align Act, A-L-I-G-N-A-C-T, and look for it in the political persecution of President Trump and his supporters. It's got great verbiage, a real challenge to members of Congress on both sides of the aisle, in the House and in the Senate, just to put a stop to this. And uh, we're hoping to send millions of email and whatever texts or whatever. Uh, we've got all those different formats are available for you, and it's very simple. So go to Align Act, A-L-I-G-N-A-C-T, and look for End the Political Persecution of President Trump and Supporters. Let me remind you, these are friends. Uh, they are the people that I trust who run this, and so you're not you know, giving your information to uh, some dark, unknown, dangerous entity. And so um, uh, that's one thing that you can do. Uh, we did have election results, and I think this is something to be, uh, be very happy about. Now, I, in Washington State, um, I talked about Joe Kent. I've interviewed him a couple of times. I found myself very unsure about him because of, uh, he had voted for Bernie Sanders in the past. I think Joe is completely apolitical. His wife was killed. He's a special service uh, services guy. His wife was killed overseas when they were in combat uh, together. Um, has a great story, but I wondered about uh, how much he actually understood politically. Um, he beat... Um, uh, Heidi St. John, who we really prefer, I personally preferred. I, she's uh, connected to Eagle Forum. She's great on our issues, very well informed. Uh, but Joe was on last night with, I'm not sure, he was on Fox. And this was his response when he was asked about uh, this FBI raid in Mar-a-Lago. Let's listen, clip three. I, I think it did. I think this, if the left was trying to intimidate people or try and take, make Donald Trump less powerful, it really blew up in their face because the American people, even if they didn't care for President Trump, they see the way that the national security state is going after a former president, a private citizen, going and raiding his house. That's really going to alarm a lot of folks and it's really going to galvanize the America First movement. We know that President Trump fought hard for us from you know 2016 on until he was actually removed from the White House. And so now it's time for us to unify and fight for his movement, fight for the America First movement to put our country first. Yeah, interesting. So I'm I'm have I'm being optimistic about Joe. Um he seems to be I mean this happens. People get into politics. President Trump was one of them. 
He was a businessman. He knew really nothing. He wasn't, they would say he's not an ideologue. That was true. He didn't have institutional knowledge of the principles of government that many of us just take for granted when we have discussions. And so Joe Kent may be one of those guys. Uh, he is going to go up against, uh, well, he just beat Jamie Herrera uh, Butler, who was who had voted for President Trump's impeachment, she's the sitting Republican. So she be, he beat her. So now he has to beat uh, the um, the Democrat, whoever he's going to be running against. So that's uh, that's and then also in Wisconsin, because we talked with uh, Terry Dietrich about the Wisconsin races. The big race there was for the nomination, a Republican nomination for governor, to beat uh, Evers, Governor uh, uh, Tony Evers, who has been described as like the, well, I don't know. The Nancy Pelosi, somebody used something different, but he's a real far on the left, came out of the education community, and he's been a real enemy to conservatives in Wisconsin. President Trump had reached over and actually endorsed a candidate in this race. Rebecca Fleet Cleefish was the lieutenant governor under Scott Walker, and Scott endorsed her. I've interviewed Rebecca more than once when uh, when they were investigating. What, I think I was still in Chicago then, uh, so uh, Rebecca's a really fine person. President Trump made the point that she he didn't think she would be strong enough to fight and wasn't strong enough on election integrity. I don't know. I'm just telling you. That's what he said. So he endorsed Tim Michaels. I know nothing about Tim Michaels, so I don't, didn't, I don't have an opinion about this except that the point should be made that when we talked to Terry, um, Terry Dietrich yesterday, he told us that the race was very close between Michaels and Cleefitch, maybe, maybe a point like statistical, no difference between them statistically. And he actually won then, Tim Michaels won with Trump's endorsement by six points. And I think that's because of Mar-a-Lago, the raid. Uh, That's exactly what I thought about it. I thought to myself, uh, Tuesday morning, this is going to affect turnout, and this is going to affect passion on this issue. And so it did in Wisconsin. Um, All right, so there's more to say about that, but you know, I have to move on here. I um, we have lots of great email from you, and I did not have time to put these in order. <laughs> so this is going to be interesting. Uh, so forgive me if I just try to make my way through this uh, and make it as I can't read all of them. That's the problem. I try to uh, put them in, uh, you know, group them so that I can get as many in as I can. But speaking of elections, this is from um, Jennifer in West Virginia, and she says it's a really sad day in West Virginia when our Senate failed to take up a bill which had would have saved the lives of West Virginia children. This is after Roe versus Wade was overturned, as the states are all considering what they now must do. Uh, she said, our delegates fought hard and battled the intimidation of protesters. I was shocked at what was allowed to take place in our capital by these protesters. It was completely disgraceful. Please pray for our state. And so, um, and she goes on to tell me that they had laws on the books uh, would, would, would have made uh, abortion illegal in West Virginia, uh, but a judge a Kanawha County judge, which is the capital, the county where the state capital is located, stepped in and blocked the law. I don't know how they can do that, but they do, and it's happening all over. And so now West Virginia uh, does have abortion. And so we, Jennifer, thanks for bringing us to that. For, to that. <sighs> Trying to talk too fast. Jennifer, thank you for bringing this to our attention. It, it helps. This helps the knowledge base and how we can fight. Um, this is from... Um, I need to follow up on this because Kansas, what happened in Kansas is very complex, and I didn't have time to read this as carefully as I wanted to. Uh, but um, M, uh, no first name, or just M, uh, wrote and said, as you know, the Kansas pro-life constitutional amendment saved them both failed. You also know of reports that many evangelical pastors in Kansas never mentioned, 
nor meaningfully encourage their congregations to go and support this amendment. How sad. Always best to play it safe, I guess, even though our Lord didn't. I wonder how many of these same pastors pushed and proselytized their congregation to get the COVID shots when it was fashionable and trendy to do so. That's pretty pretty gripping, isn't it? Uh, some, another listener uh, tells me that the language on the abortion referendum was very confusingly worded, and that's the part that I have to look into, and I'm not prepared to tell you about that. I have to read it more carefully. But uh, evidently, I got that from two different sources. So um, so in the, uh, in the vein of our friend from Kansas just talking about how pastors didn't mention that, I want to read this to you. This is from um, Claire in Illinois. She says, she said she's a longtime listener from suburban Chicago. Claire, hi, salute my hometown. It's nice to have listeners up there. We don't have a lot of ground stations in uh, up, upstate uh, Illinois, in Chicago, where I used to be. We have them in southern Illinois, and it's always nice to know that people find me up there through our app. And by the way, remember that we have um, AFR Talk is the app for your smartphone, and you can listen to the show anytime, live or later. Uh, so share with your friends that are not nearby that that's, they don't have to have a station to be able to listen. Uh, so Claire says, I'm wondering your thoughts about if our churches and pastors should be addressing some of these issues from the pulpit. I feel they should be. I think there is a way to preach and focus on the gospel and also weave in cultural and political issues that we are all facing every day in this country. And how as Christians we should respond at school, in the workplace, and in our neighborhoods I think there's something we're missing. Our church leaders and pastors are guiding, and they need, are, we're missing them guiding and helping us by speaking out against these specific evils and sharing ideas of how we can respond in grace and truth. Any insights and thoughts you could share would be greatly appreciated. We know we need to act in some way, but what does that look like? And that's from Claire. Claire, I would just say this. Um, I guess I would say I have spent my radio life trying to do exactly what you're asking pastors to do. When I first started, you know, I was, um, years ago, I was, I was a church girl. I was raised in the church, and that was my world. Uh, but God brought me out of that. I always say that I was like Paul, and God called me to the Gentiles. I really do believe that. You know, he took me out of the confines of my upbringing, which were wonderful. Great Petri dish to grow in Christ and learn scripture, and then took me out of that and took me into a different world. Uh, and as I got into that different world and interacted with uh, people all over the map, uh, whether it was politicians or, I don't know, you fill in the blanks, just very different people and had to get out of my own comfort zone in discussing all kinds of issues and not discussing it in a way that was the language of the church. Uh, and then as I began to realize, and this started, I remember the day it happened to me. I was 21 and I was in a grocery line in Berlin, Germany. We used to have to wait, queue up. Uh, we had long lines. It'd take you an hour to pay for your groceries in Berlin because there was only one grocery store for the entire, all the thousands of military people that were there. And I remember, I'm a very impatient person. And uh, at the same time, I have to tell you, God was dealing with me, teaching me, maturing me. I was in this incredible Bible study, and God had been moving in my heart and mind, and I was in Scripture, but I was still like the old me. And the old me is very impatient, <laughs> The, old, the, the the current me is very still impatient too, but I'm more convicted of it than I used to be. I was just, I get impatient with incompetence or slowness or inefficiency. Uh, that's me. That's my nature. And uh, I was in that line just fuming. And uh, when God said to me, you know what, Sandy, you are representing me even in a grocery line. 
even in a frustrating situation where you need to leave and the line is not moving, you represent me everywhere. I am everywhere. I am in everything. And that was a turning point for me because I understood then later when I went into radio, which I was many years later, that God is, the scripture tells us this, but experientially I understood that God is in everything. He's in the halls of Congress. He's in the jails and then the prisons. He's in the deepest and dark. He's on the streets when people are protesting. He's in these in the violence. He's in the he's not responsible, but he's not absent. He's everywhere. Everything that happens in this world, everything is about him. We don't have a separate Christian existence in a little ghetto where we talk Christian talk and only talk about the Bible. Jesus didn't do that either. He lived in the real world. For heaven's sake, he left the confines of heaven to come and live and be real with people. He saw real things. He went to weddings. He understood the political structures. He was not silent. Even though he didn't talk about voting for people, it was a different political structure. They, had a, they didn't have any rights or freedoms. It was, a, it was not a monarchy, but it was, well, Rome, I guess, would be technically a monarchy of sorts, maybe a sort of a democracy, but not by people that were not Roman citizens. And so they, people had no rights. And so that's why Jesus didn't talk about that stuff. But when pastors preach, they, for whatever reason, this is not true of all of them, it's not true of my favorites, like Dr. Urban Lutzer, my dear friend, uh, they preach about everything. They talk about everything. They equip their people to face what's outside the church. They must do that. How they separate the trials and temptations, we talk about sexual temptations, but they never talk about things that are not listed in the lists of, of sexual sins, but are there, the propaganda, propagandizing of our children into uh, sexual lifestyles or gender transformation. All of this stuff is equally evil, even though it's not listed. God, you know it would be listed if people had even understood it back 2,000 years ago when the scriptures were written. And so pastors must. It's not optional. They must embrace the whole of life. They must speech, speak about it seamlessly. Of course, it's not mutually exclusive to preach the gospel. This is what, again, I try to do. I've tried to do this for 20 years on the radio, to seamlessly move between the knowledge of Jesus and holy living and the headlines. It can be done. It should be done. There should not be compartments. We should be in walking into spiritual maturity where it is all a seamless patch of God in everything. And that's my answer to your question. I'll be right back after this. We'll open the phone lines, 888-589-8840. Sandy Rios in the morning. Washington Watch. This is a crisis of our own making, and that hard-nosed determination to not admit it for political reasons is just really, truly disheartening. Yeah, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but on this particular issue, the contrast between the policies of the two administrations could not be sharper. As I've mentioned here on the program many times, I was at the border a little over a year ago. It was like a ghost town. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. 
Today's culture is opting for entertainment rather than biblical enlightenment. For those who resist that trend, Friends of Israel shows listeners why loving the Jewish people and supporting Israel is important to the Christian faith. Friends of Israel shares biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah and promotes solidarity with the Jewish people. This is Chris Katolka of the Friends of Israel Today radio program heard each weekend on this station, and here's what's happening in Israel. Friends of Israel, Saturday afternoon at 2, here on American Family Radio. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A generation has been taught they descend from animals, that there is no God. They've been taught they are nothing more than a cosmic accident. They have no purpose, and life has no meaning. Life's meaninglessness has been punctuated for them by the 60 million children who've been slaughtered in the womb and counting. But society is shocked when they act out exactly as they have been taught, like animals with no conscience. Respect for human life begins with respect for the life giver. America needs repentance. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. I was one of those girls who wanted to fit into the popular crowd just like most teenagers. And I became an alcoholic and I got really depressed because of it. So I tried to commit suicide and I was put in the hospital. One of my friends from school started visiting with me at the hospital and she gave me a Truth for Youth Bible. She started talking to me about God's love and how much He could help me and how He was always there for me. And it just, it changed my life and I realized how much He really does love me and care for me. I haven't been the same since. This is Truth for Youth Bible Week and Revival Fires International is giving one free Truth for Youth Bible to every student between the ages of 13 and 18 who promises to pass it along to a friend this school year. To order a free Truth For Youth Bible, call 800-733-4737 between 8.30 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Central. That's 800-733-4737 or visit truthforyouth.com anytime. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. On Friday, the House of Representatives is expected to authorize the hiring of 87,000 armed IRS investigators supposedly to pursue corporate and wealthy tax cheats. In fact, under President Biden, this doubling of that agency's current workforce of 90,000 employees will amount to a huge new cohort empowered to use not only unwarranted audits to intimidate and penalize perceived political foes, Recent events suggest they'll also constitute a vast paramilitary force available to perpetrate the sorts of raid mounted at President Trump's home earlier this week. Some Democratic partisans are quibbling about the use of the term raid to characterize what went down at Mar-a-Lago. Ask yourself, if 40 federal agents wielding weapons in a search warrant they won't let you see came to your house, what would you call it, aside from a terrifying violation of your constitutional rights? This is Frank Avenue. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. Thank you so much for your generosity with uh, raising enough money to buy at least, I think at this point we're at 12,000 Bibles. Our goal is 60,000. I think that's the update. 
No, that was yesterday morning. Okay, so it's we have more than that now, but we need your help to make it happen. You remember that you get these Bibles and ask your kids, your grandkids, to take them to school and give them to kids that they think uh, would be receptive and also that could use a God's Word in their lives. I guess that would be all of them, but maybe there's some that stand out to them. And the phone number to do this uh, is 1-800-733-4737. one 733 Three, seven. They don't open till 8.30 Central Standard Time, so um, so just be mindful of that. Or if you want to do it online, go to truthforyouth.com. That's truthforyouth.com, and we thank you in advance for your generosity. Uh, let me also say that this is from Joan. Joan is a longtime listener. She's always sent me great things. <clears throat> Joan, it's nice to hear from you. And she wrote, she sent this. This is a quote that I've heard before, but it's wonderful to have it in my hands again. She says, it didn't start with the gas chambers. It didn't start with one party controlling the media. One party controlling the message, or one party deciding what is true. One party censoring speech and silencing opposition. One party dividing citizens into us and them and calling on their supporters to harass them. It started when good people turned a blind eye and let it happen. So I just wanted to read that to you because I think it kind of puts a, a, an underscore is what we're talking about here. Okay, well, let's go to the phones. Our phone number again is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Let's go to JC in Texas. Good morning, JC. How are you? Uh, good morning, Ms. Rios. How are you doing, ma'am? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Hey, uh, yes, ma'am, I just wanted to mention that uh, it's funny how the IRS or the federal government can put all these IRS people, but they can't go out, you know, hey, let's arm some of the public schools out here. We don't do none of that. And, and uh, I'd also like to mention that out in L.A. County, I have read somewhere this morning that uh, they actually aren't requiring anybody to have legal documentation, any kind of legal documentation to work for the county. So unless it's a L.A. sheriff, I think is what I saw. JC, you, yeah. you you garble just a tiny bit, but so that you said yes. you were reading that they're not requiring, requiring any kind of documentation for, to hire for what position? Uh, for any, 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 uh, I guess it's any, uh, uh, man, I'm at a loss of words right now, but you, uh, you can work for them. You can be an illegal immigrant. You can work for uh, anybody uh, out there. Not anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm saying. Excuse well, that's oh, it, you know, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's federal, I don't know, you know, the scope of that, but that's what we're moving to. You know that. That's not a surprise. That's what they want to do. Uh that's why they're leaving the borders open because they're trying to outnumber people their opposition by people who are desperate for help and come across and get all these benefits. So, it's a it's a pretty clever, right? JC, they've been working on this since president since uh since Senator Kennedy was in the Senate. This is he's the first guy that pushed this vast opening of uh, the floodgates on immigration, and then uh, Bill Clinton helped him along, and that was the beginning of it. So that's what we have now. I appreciate the heads up on that, and that is a great point, that they will not allow teachers to be armed in schools in many places, uh, but they are happy to arm IRS agents. It makes a lot of, yeah, because it's against the people, I guess. Can't protect the kids, but we can go after the regular American working people who will be harassed by these 87, 88,000 agents. JC, thanks for calling. Appreciate it very much. Let's go to Lori in Oklahoma. Good morning, Lori. Good morning. So um, I hear you in the morning when I drive to work. Um, <laughs> listen, I just am just crushed. I mean, you and I are a bit older. We're, we're a little seasoned in life, but we were 
of that group of folks growing up that when we went to school, we actually got a real education. We understood that we were being taught history, reading, writing, and math. We've had this discussion on your program about what's going on in the public school systems many times. And part of the problem is, one, they've tried to kick God out and were successful. Then they corrupted the teaching um, and took away the basic truth of what's going on. And even the letter that you read about the propaganda and what was going on in Nazi Germany with uh, the controlling of what people think without computers and how that fired through the nation and then 60 million Jews were murdered uh, through uh, Hitler. Uh-oh. You're talking about what happened. Our people no longer understand that the reason that we left Europe was to come to this land and this nation to be free. Yes, they do no longer. I'll tell you something really ironic, Lori. When I was at CPAC, Dallas, I went to a, a reception for President of Hungary, Viktor Orban. And, of course, he's the champion in uh, what used to be the old Soviet bloc. It's a free country now. And he's, uh, you know, pro-traditional uh, marriage. He is certainly pro-teaching the children uh, right and wrong. Uh, they're pro-Christian. I mean, so it's like uh, the, the left here, they, their ears would blow back to hear what Viktor Orban says, and that's why he's so hated by the left, and he's hated by the European Union. All that to say, I ended up doing an interview with Hungarian television, and they asked me the question, they said, how is it that Americans now could let their children be indoctrinated by the schools? I mean, what, what's happened to parental authority? And I actually looked at him. I'm sure he was stunned, and I started laughing. I said, you have no idea how ironic your question is. Because, you see, I grew up during the Cold War uh, when we knew all about the tactics of the Soviet Union and the Russian authorities, and we knew that children were being taken from their parents, not physically, but told to, to uh, rat on their parents, uh, propagandized in public schools, turned against their parents. And we said to ourselves, how could Russia... And how could the Soviet Union, how could they let that happen to their children? And now you're asking me the same thing. It's the same poison, different geography, different decade, but the same kind of poison. And so you're spot on with your comments there. Let's go to, um, let's go to Steve in Iowa. Good morning, Steve. Yes. Good morning. Two things, please. Uh, find and get on your program a trained propagandist that can show all these different tools that the enemy is using. Second, we're witnessing the beginning of a new Wehrmacht, and you just have to tell people about this every moment. People do not understand the depth and of what is going on. You know, Steve, it's true. I was. I remember you remind me of a conversation I had. I don't remember. I might have been in an airport, and I was talking to someone who was not young, not as old as I am, but not young, and there, there was something in the news, and it's been probably a few years ago, so who knows what it was. And I simply was trying to have a conversation with him, and I said, do you understand propaganda? Do you understand you know, German propaganda? And, and she looked at me with completely blank stare. Had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. And so you're right. You're absolutely right. And um, uh, that's a good suggestion. And I do know those people. And I sh I've had them on before. And we should do it again. So I will take that suggestion to heart, Steve. Thank you very much. Let's go to Pete in Georgia. Good morning, Pete. Hey, good morning, Cindy. Um, thank you for your um, dissertation right before the break about the clergy should be speaking on issues. And I had this conversation with our Catholic bishop here at the diocese 
of Savannah, Georgia, just two days ago, and uh, and just expressed how the Catholic Church has failed in its fiduciary responsibility to inform and 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 admonish the congregation. You cannot vote for Democrats who kill babies. And and on from there. Um, also, please encourage your audience to hold, organize in your town, everywhere around this country, Trump rallies, Trump parades. I'm holding one this Saturday in Savannah, Georgia, at the Eastern Wharf near the New Thompson Hotel, 5.30 to 6.00. We're going to have a tailgate party at 6. We're going to go on a Trump parade, cars with American flags, Trump flags, and please conduct yourself properly so that we attract people to our cause. We don't want to go out there and look like the wackos, but we need to organize and show public support for President Trump, the actual winner of the 2020 election. All right, Pete, that's good. Great, great job getting in that plug, and I don't really mind at all. In fact, I will repeat it for you. You're going to meet on the East Wharf at 530 to 6 in Savannah, Georgia, on Sunday, and you're asking for people to come and help. So uh, thanks for, for giving us that heads up. Thanks, Pete, for all you're doing. Now let me just say something to clarify, because I may not agree with Pete on this, but I don't have time to go back and forth and flesh it out. I don't necessarily think a church should organize a Trump rally, because you're asking me this question. A couple of other people have asked me this in emails, too. I do think we have to be careful about um, putting a set, you know, uh, hanging, our, hanging our names as Christians around names of people. You know, it, it, we serve a, a God who transcends politics. There's no question about that. I think privately we can support candidates, and we can, outside of the church, organize groups and I think it's uh, not a bad thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with churches introducing candidates and letting and talking about their positions. I've got no problem with that. And I think, um, but I think it's. I guess I hesitate. Maybe it's my upbringing. Maybe if we had more time to talk with Pete, he'd push back on that. I think you get into sort of dangerous turf when you start taking in a candidate. I saw it happen at Willow Creek when Bill Hybels. Uh, that was my church, and um, he became the the, the uh, mentor to, to Bill Clinton, and it really poisoned things. It was terrible. Uh, and then I think maybe some other pastors have gotten close to President Trump. I don't have any problem with him doing that. Uh, what I have a problem with is they, they have to be very careful that they remain um, that, that we as believers are the we are the prophets. We are called to speak the truth to people and politics. We are not called to do their bidding, which is what I see happening all the time. It's a very dangerous thing where pastors get duped uh, into giving you know, um, a blanket approval and then doing the bidding of the politician. And then when that politician who has become a friend of theirs does something they shouldn't do, they, they don't step out and rebuke or challenge. And that's really the role of the pastor. So if a pastor can do that, if he can take in a politician uh, and uh, put his name uh, as an association with him. But then if he's willing uh, to hold that man accountable or that woman accountable, then maybe that's a different thing. But those are my thoughts about that. Let's uh, let's talk to James. Good morning, James in Virginia. How are you? I'm doing fine. How you doing, Sandy? Good. Can you make it, like, you know, concise because of the time here? Yes. As a matter of fact, met you in Goochland with my 92-year-old mother three years ago, if you remember. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Look, um, uh, let me tell you something. They have poked a bear, and they have done nothing but made the America First 
uh, movement even stronger. Even if they, I, I'm, I'll just say this, even if they were to, were to let's say, they used to put Trump in jail or whatever, get rid of him, stop him from running, the America First movement is alive, well, and kicking. I've been talking to friends, and, um, and uh, like uh, the wrestler said um, on, on Fox, on Gutfeld, he said, bring it on. We're ready. We are ready. We now know what we need to know. We now know and we're more determined to get accomplished what needs to be accomplished. As a black man, Trump was just off the chain. And I've been talking to a lot of African-Americans, especially the young folks. And believe it or not, Sandy, they get it. They get it. My generation, I'm a baby boomer. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> but, the, but the younger generation, they, yeah. are, they are waking up. They can see it. So, yeah, you that's know, God great. bless Donald Trump. You know? Yeah, yes, James. Thanks. Listen, that that's very encouraging, and I wish we had more time to talk. Thank you, thank you. Let's go to Diane in Texas. Good morning, Diane. Quickly, if you can. Hi, a real fast, Andy. I'm so grateful for you and teaching us to stand up and say something. But I wanted to say something real quick about what happened at work yesterday. Because I, I love the people I work with, but there's some very conservative and very liberal people. And... Uh, a young person came in that tries to be on either side and said, oh, did you hear what happened with Trump? And so I got all spirited because I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a very quiet person and I don't talk about it and I'm, I, I'm, I hate that. But I was like real riled up about what they did to Trump. And the gay person I work with is like doesn't want to talk about it and say, let's stop. Let's not talk about this. And two things I was convicted of is number one is like, I have my truth and they had their truth and that's what's sad. And number two, how sad it is that I can get all pumped up about Trump's raid, but I don't get riled up about sharing the gospel, you know. And, Diane, and I'm, okay, I'm I gotta interrupt you. I gotta interrupt you. Listen. Don't don't this is what we do as Christians. I think we're too quick to condemn ourselves. First of all, the thing that made you mad was righteous indignation. God planted that in your heart. We should all feel indignant about what is happening right now. There's nothing wrong with that. That's God at work in your life, even though you're not coming out, you know, you're not expressing it with John 3, 16. Uh, also, it's, there's you, as you know, but I have to correct just to make sure people, there's not his truth and your truth. There's only one truth, and we have to teach that truth and speak it and speak it. If they don't listen or they don't listen, we must speak the truth. Ezekiel tells us, go read it. It's a great admonition for our time. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.